you are now about to experience the revive effect. I'm your host, Matt Celestio, and if you want to learn to master your mind, get the body you want, and create the life you've always wanted to live, you are in the right place. At Revive, my mission is to create a better way of living for our generation by challenging the current ways we live every day. And in each episode, I bring you a radically different approach to fat loss, a fresh perspective on life, and a new way of living to help you get to where you truly want to be in life. So kick back and let's jump into it. Welcome to The Revive Effect. All right, let me ask you a question to start out. What if you could live longer, look and feel younger, have more energy, lose weight, alleviate your constipation and bloating, and lower your risk of breast, prostate, and other cancers, and so many more great benefits? Now, what if I told you you can make all of this possible and you have all of this in your control by making one simple change? And no, it's not big pharma, it's not pills, it's not that influencer multivitamin. But what if it was just one simple thing that you do every day that you have the control and power over? Changing the way you eat. Now, why haven't you heard of this before? Why is everybody always pushing the supplements? Why is always everybody pushing the pills and these quick fixes? You know, why is nobody really saying, you know, you need to eat better foods? Food is linked to diet and disease. Food is linked to prevention of these very health problems that we face every single day. And at the end of the day, it's really for one simple reason. There's no money in healthy people and there's no money selling broccoli. There's no money selling or selling carrots. And that's why everybody pushes these prescription-based multivitamins, prescription-based pills, especially big pharma and especially the supplement industry. And it really causes us to deteriorate our health because we're neglecting the bigger picture that health is really all interconnected. And when we go down this quick fix route because that's all we're given and all we're shown every day, This is where health starts to deteriorate and you really start waking up one day and asking yourself, what has happened to me? Why am I facing these health problems and how can I overcome it? And why is nothing going down the conventional route helping me? So today we're going to dive into that. We're going to get into some great information. So I want to start out with saying a big thank you for showing up to the Revive Effect podcast. Again, yours truly, Matt Celestio on the mic here with you today. Now, before we dive in, I want to let you know this is the second part to a two-part episode that I'm going to link right in the show notes that I encourage you to go check out before we dive into this one because we really do cover a lot of information that we maybe tie upon in here. So the first part to this episode, you're actually going to discover things like low-carb, high-protein diets versus plant-based eating, which one truly guarantees weight loss. Our animal diets like high in protein linked to obesity, even based on thousands of people in multiple countries. We talk about improving your gut health, how to accelerate your weight loss with that, and reduce your chance of disease while fixing your digestive problems. We talk about the daily diet and link to cancer, and are you eating foods that are promoting or actually preventing it? And we go go into so much more, so I encourage you to check that out because we really, really do cover some great information there. So what can you expect today in this episode specifically? Because If you've already listened to the first one and you're ready for the information here in the second one, you're ready to sink your teeth into it, I'm stoked to do it with you. Here's what we're going to cover today. The first point, we're going to look at how the government, the animal food industry, and big pharma are all interconnected and actually work together. I know, don't you love it? It's just so inspiring to know that that those are the people that are really calling the shots for our health. So we're going to dive into that. We're also going to look at why the animal food industry is using the same playbook as the tobacco industry used. Remember, tobacco industry, cigarettes, highly addictive, highly, 
They're horrible for your health, yet nobody said a, a word back when tobacco was coming out. Are we repeating histories with food? You're going to find out. We're also going to look at why there's so much confusion around what you should be eating. And we're going to look at how supplements and quick fix culture is ruining your health again and so much more. So stick around. And I want to let you know, and I want to ask you, please, kindly, if you're liking this episode at any point, you have any aha moments or things are really starting to shift your perspective, please share this with somebody that you feel would be inspired, needs to hear this information, and who would actually benefit from this information. You know, do you know somebody who's struggling with digestive problems? Do you know somebody that's struggling with obesity or overweight? They really want to just clean up their health. This is the episode for them to listen to. So please, at any point, share this episode wherever you're listening to it. Grab the link, send it off to your friends, family, whoever it is. I appreciate you so very much. Now, before we dive in as well, I want to say a really quick, exciting announcement because we've actually uh, launched a Revive Body Sculptor Kickstarter workout program. So if you're somebody who has no idea how to work out, but wants to learn how to work out, progress, adapt, working out to you, you have a lot of those burning questions around how do I get in the gym? How do I start exercising to change my body, improve my health? We've listened to everything that you're saying, and we put that all into our Revive Body Sculptor Kickstarter program to teach you how to work out, right? This is a totally different workout program that you've seen totally different from the conventional quick fix culture that you're embedded with every day. So we actually teach you how to exercise through step-by-step videos, done-for-you workout plans, teach you how to adapt, progress, and enjoy your exercise in a way that best suits you and transforms your body. So I invite you to click the link in the show notes. It's called the Revive Body Sculptor Kickstarter. Head over to our website, see what's included, and take a look and see if it's for you. Now, again, I promise you, it's, this is not another you know, $1,000, $2,000 package that other personal trainers and nutritionists sell you. I believe health should be affordable. So the price is literally at $200 for you because I want you to get healthy. I know we all work hard. I know you work hard. So your health should be affordable. So click that link in the show notes, wherever you're listening to it too. Head over to our website and hopefully I will see you in the program. All right, without further ado, let's dive right into the juicy content today. Okay, in this section, we're really going to shine some light on how big food, big pharma, and government, they're all interconnected, okay? So this has got some juicy content, so stop, put your phone away. Well, you're listening on your phone, actually, you can't do that. Put all your distractions away and really just listen to some of the content we're about to go over. So the way in which your culture is set up, it's not built around health. It's built around economics. It's about profits of the major players in big food, big pharma, and government. Right? The way we live life here in the Western world is very cozy for the higher-ups, people who are making the decisions that influence the masses. So to give you an example of what I mean by the higher-ups, right now we're on the topic of plant-based versus low-carb, high-protein dieting. So I want to shine some light on the two industries just to show you how the power behind these higher ups in the big food industry really put profits over people, put profits over your health. So let's look at the U.S. fruits and vegetables market, okay? This whole market is valued at $5.2 billion, $5.2 billion USD. And you're asking, you're probably saying, whoa, that's a lot of money for fruits and vegetables. I know. But when you look at the animal food industry, the dairy industry alone is valued at $45.5 billion. $45.5 billion. Now, you think that's crazy. Let's go a step further. 
the meat and animal industry is expected to reach 216 billion by 2028. Now, what's going on here? There's a lot of money. You can see that the fruits and vegetable industry, there is just pennies. They're pennies compared to what the animal food industry is bringing in. Now, in, in, like in the first part of this episode, in addition to the huge amount of evidence linking diet to disease, I want you to listen to this, and I want to bring in Big Pharma into this mix. 80% of Americans, 80% of Americans are on prescription medications. Now, to put that into perspective for you, that's enough people to populate the entire countries of Japan, France, and the entire United Kingdom. That's how many Americans on the daily are taking medication. Now, the pharmaceutical industry in Canada is just Canada. Mind you, just Canada. It's on pace to be valued at $40 billion in you or in 2027. Now, I show that number just to be just to show you how tiny it is in comparison to Americans. Americans in 2021, do you know how much money they spent on medicine? You know how much money? $574 billion. $574 billion they spent. And I'm, I'm going to let you know, this isn't a global number. This is just the USA. Do you understand how much money this is? I want to put that into perspective for you again, because I could just yell out numbers all day. But until I put it in concrete, uh, visual or auditory ways that you can understand, it might mean nothing to you. So let me put this into perspective. $574 billion they spent on medicine. If you were to take all the money from all of the major professional sport leagues in the world and you combined the Major League Baseball, hockey, basketball, football, and English Premier Soccer League, the biggest soccer league in the world, mind you, if you took all of these leagues' yearly revenues and combined them together, you would have to multiply that number by 15 times to match the amount of money Americans spent on the pharmaceutical treatments in the same year. In the same year, you have 15 times more. There is a lot of money on the table that these industries stand to lose if we start eating foods and embodying a lifestyle that is actually health promoting. And again, I talk about pharma with the meat and dairy industries because the link between food and disease is so strongly correlated. And that's why I invite you to check out the show notes, listen to the first part of this podcast because we really dive in deep on that link. And once you discover that link and you see all the, or you come back and listen to all this information we just spoke about, the, the connection will really blow your mind. It really will blow your mind. But I want to move on to an article that I read in the Sentient Media article, which was a fantastic article, by the way. And it really talked about subsidizing uh, the, big, the big food industry. Now, essentially, what a subsidy is, for those of you who don't know, it is a sum of money that is granted by the government to assist an industry or a business so that the price of their product or service can remain low or competitive. So it makes it more accessible to us. And I want to let you know, a subsidy does not need to be repaid. It is a sum of money given to the company or industry and say, you know what, here you go, do whatever you need to do, don't worry about paying us back. So that's what a subsidy is. So now we're going to compare how the government actually divvies up the subsidies that go to our food industry. So, which is a really great stat actually, the Canadian government recently subsidized $100 million for plant-based protein farmers. Saying, wow, that's amazing. They're giving $100 million. That's amazing that we're being so progressive. We're embodying or we're moving towards a health-promoting lifestyle. But listen to this. The article goes on to state, The Canadian federal government regularly subsidizes animal agriculture to the tune of billions of dollars. In 2019, $1.9 
billion in direct subsidies were allotted to the dairy, pork, beef, and poultry industries. Animal agriculture was given 19 times the amount that plant farmers were given. 19 times that. So, sure, they're looking real great in the public eye. Yo, we gave $100 million. Give $100 million. But we're not going to tell you that we just gave almost $2 billion to the animal industry. That is not health promoting. That is causing a horrible ethical concern and environmental concern as well. Again, we might dive into that later. See how spontaneous we end up getting. But what I really want to touch on here, which was very, very cool, and the article went on to state that $100 million that was subsidized for plant-based protein farmers, get, get this, this is where it gets really, really corrupt. The plant farmers, given the subsidies, most of the time were given for corn and soy farmers. And guess what? Guess what? The animal agriculture feeds their, their, um, their, plot, their, their, their plot of animals. They feed them the corn and soy that these plant-based farmers farm. So not only are the plant subsidies going to the plant-based industry, they're going to the plant-based industry in order to make the, the corn and the soy more affordable for the animal agricultural farmers to make their costs and their profits much more, or their, their costs decrease and the profits increase as well. So now you're probably asking, why? Why is there such a huge gap between these industries? Why is, why is nobody really paying attention to the plant-based industry? Meanwhile, the animal in industry is getting loads of money loads of money government support they're interconnected with big pharma and as well as the government so why why is this happening i'm gonna i'm gonna paint you a real simple picture listen to this we pay tax dollars that the government takes and gives to the animal industry so that they can sell their meat and dairy back to us and make these foods more accessible makes sense but you also have to remember animal foods are linked to an insane amount of diseases and illness so the government also uses our tax dollars to give to big pharma to create prescription products and pills to sell back to us to quote-unquote treat these diseases. We need to understand the meat, the dairy, and the medicine. In this case, they are not the products. We, we are the products. We are the products every day. We are merely a number on a balance sheet for the higher-ups in the Western world, and they're using all these different kinds of tactics and food and prevented our treatment um, processes to make more money off of you. Now, notice how when I, when I spoke about pharma, though, I said treat. I did not say prevent. There's no money in prevention. We spoke about this at the ending of the first part of this two-part episode, and we also spoke about it uh, just at the beginning of this, this podcast. But we re I really want to focus on the relation to heart disease in this instant. Now, there's a ton, there's a, I can't tell you how many studies are out there showing a strong link between obesity and related diseases and heart disease, okay? Heart, if, if you have obesity, you're more, I, I hate to kind of say it like this, but you're more apt to getting heart disease. It's a precursor to heart disease. Now, the, U, or the government funds billions of dollars to make animal products more accessible to us. Again, correlated with the rise in obesity and related illnesses like cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. The government then funds pharmaceutical companies to make products that treat these diseases for a lifetime, right? People with diabetes or heart disease, they're often told they're going to be on medication for the rest of their life. They tell them, this is it. Sorry, man, you got this disease. This is what you're going to have to do. Here's how much it's going to cost you month by month. And we're going to have to just monitor, monitor this disease until you part ways with this planet, right? The government and big pharma doesn't make a lot of money on healthy people, yet the prevention that can be 
the prevention for these diseases simply lies on what you eat for your plate every single night at dinner. But is government telling you that? No. Is the animal industry telling you that? No. Is Big Pharma telling you that? No. This information is being withheld from you because you can see the link and the uh, the link between the profits and the success that these companies can find if you just stay blinded, you stay confused, and you stay uneducated about this link and how disease is so prevalent and why it's so prevalent meanwhile you don't know. So with all that being said, we're going to actually take all this information that we just learned We're going to dive into the second section of this podcast when we look at the problems that this conventional way of living and big pharma, government, and food has really created for us. So let's dive right into this section. All right, let's talk about cigarettes. Specifically, let's talk about the companies that sell, that sell these cigarettes, okay? So back before smoking rules and laws became what they are today, smoking essentially was socially acceptable. Airports, offices, even hospitals. Yeah, smoke. Go ahead, smoke. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's healthy. It's healthy. Right? The dangers and perils of smoking was not as widely known back then, which is a big reason for the wild success and profitability that these tobacco companies experienced. Now, how did the tobacco industry get away with this? Right Now, now we know that tobacco and smoking is literally linked to cancer. It's linked to heart disease, all these other problems. So how did the tobacco industry just kind of give us a one-two side step around this problem and still knock it out of the park in terms of sales? And it was for a simple reason. The tobacco industry actually had a playbook, a playbook that was designed to, to keep the dangers hidden, the people smoking and the profits rolling in. In essence, right, they're putting the profits over people. But this caused decades or the, the decades of deceit that this went on for it caused millions of li- or cost millions of lives and i can't even imagine the amount of struggle and emotional emotional perils that these people went through especially with family that you know they they because they had smokers they said it was fine they said it was okay and they didn't know but i it's just it's created this enormity of a problem and at the end of the day it was because of the simple playbook that the tobacco industry used to sidestep this problem. So now studies would come out back then. This is how it would work. Studies would come out back then emphasizing the dangers of smoking and they would put the tobacco industry at risk of losing profits and the brand imaging in the public eye, right? How would you feel if you owned a company and all of a sudden they said, oh, this guy's this guy's product, it's going to kill you. As a company, how are you going to respond? And I get it. They're going to have to respond in a way that makes them look better. No, the, the information's faulty. Here's what actually happens. Here's why we're actually beneficial. So how would this industry respond? How would the tobacco industry respond? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. To dispute hard proven science stating that your product is literally killing people, it's a very difficult thing. And these companies knew this. And the companies knew, these tobacco industry companies, they also knew that they didn't need to be quote unquote right. They just needed to elicit doubt. Now, that's a very key takeaway. Why do they have to why do they not have to prove that they are correct? Why do they just need to elicit doubt? And at the end of the day, when you're doubtful of something, oh, you know, they say they say it's okay, they say it's bad, these people say it's okay, those other people say it's bad. At the end of the day, this creates such confusion. It, it allows you to raise an eyebrow saying, mm, I don't really know what's true. I'm just going to do it because I like it. You know, everything in moderation. And that's why doubt is really a powerful driver behind the success in, in this playbook. 
is because they didn't need people to say yes or no. They just needed to say, ah, you know what? I don't know. Screw it. I'm just going to have the cigarettes. So how would they do this? How would they instill doubt? How would they elicit this doubt? And these companies would actually pay scientists to deliver research that instilled this doubt. And they would do this by having them criticize the quote-unquote junk science that found the harms associated with smoking. Now, okay, why are you, you're probably asking right now, why are we talking about the tobacco company while we're just talking about food, while we're talking about big pharma, while we're talking about the government? Now, because like the tobacco industry had their deceits, their lies, and their tactics from their playbook, the big food industry has a playbook of their very own. And the craziest part about this playbook is it's very simple to that of the tobacco industry. So essentially, in essence, we are repeating histories of lies, deceit, greed, corruption, and misinformation with food. All right, stop and think here for a second. Think about the similarities. The tobacco industry paid scientists to manufacture doubt in the consumer. Why do you think there's so much confusion in the diet and health industry? Right? How many of you can confidently tell me? How many of you listening right now can confidently tell me you know what food is healthy versus unhealthy? Is chicken, breath a health, is chicken breast a health food or is it promoting obesity and heart disease? What about lean chicken breast? Is that better? Are low-calorie foods healthy? Or are they processed and manufactured food items that are decimating your gut health? You know, why is there so much confusion? Why is there so much doubt? Like the tobacco industry, big food encourages doubt in you, the consumers, the consumers so you still buy. So you say, ah, there's a study that contradicts everything. I might as well eat what I enjoy then. Now, I can't tell you how many times, time and time again, I hear this, that same saying within the people closest in my family, in my closest friend group. They say, I honestly don't know what to eat. I'm just going to eat what I want. And that's a problem. That's, I, I want to say, if you want to enjoy the foods you want, by all means, live life, do your thing. However, I want you to be able to make those decisions and enjoy life from an educated perspective. So you truly understand what health consequences come from what you are putting in your body every single day. So that's why when there's doubt in the in the industry, when there's doubt within your life, you're unable to make those educated decisions that are promoting your health or deteriorating your health without you even knowing. Now, remember in our last episode, we covered the link between diet, disease, obesity, and diabetes. We also contributed or we looked at animal protein and its contribution to cancer growth, to the prevalence of heart disease, to the prevalence of diabetes. How the more meat in someone's diet is a predictor of their likelihood to deal with overweight and obesity. And how a reduction in our reliance on animal foods and an increase in plant foods has been shown time and time again to reverse these very preventable diseases and health problems and illnesses. And I want to go right back to the beginning of this episode, right? We're going to look at the stats again. Dairy industry valued at $45 billion. Meat industry expected to reach $216 billion. Meanwhile, the U.S. fruits and vegetable market is only valued at $5.2 billion measly 5.2 billion there is a lot of money to be lost by these industries if the science illuminates these problems to the public eye but when the meat dairy and egg industries put their scientists on payroll to conduct falsified studies the public aka you your friends your family they all become confused they become doubtful so here it creates this controversy So you pour money into these industries without, again, that proper education and the knowledge about the harmful effects of your actions, right? How many times do you hear meat is bad? No, no, no. Meat's good. Being vegan is healthy. No, no, no. Being vegan will make you sick. Sugar is bad, but just a little amount, just a little amount is healthy. Oh, but carbs, oh no, carbs are going to make you fat. 
Actually, carbs are your body's preferred energy source. You need carbs. You need the carbs. Oh, no, no, no. You got to stay away from fat. You can't have anything. You need to have those low-fat products. Actually, you know what? Showing that you're going keto and going full fat is actually beneficial for your health. These are just some of the things most commonly that I hear a lot of people talking about. They honestly don't know the difference between these two things. They can't look at me dead in the eye with confidence and tell me if I'm correct or if I'm not when I say things like this. And again, this comes down to education. This comes down to misinformation that is put on you every single day. Again, through no fault of your own, you are merely trying to do the, make the best decisions for your health, for your family, for your life. Yet without that strong link, that link that comes from an unbiased perspective where you can't make money on the food, like here on this podcast, I make no money selling you food. I am telling you there is a link between these two things that you need to be aware of. Now, moving on, moving on, let's look at this playbook as well. We're going to look at a second component of it. The tobacco industry back then, they also used to simultaneously manipulate and deny both the addictive nature of their products and their marketing to children. Yes, the tobacco industry would market to children. Now, cigarettes are addictive. We know that, right? How many times did your parents say growing up, don't hang out with the smokers, you're going to get hooked. Don't even try it one time, you're going to get hooked. Meanwhile, do you smoke now? Is it, is it addictive? Is it hard to put down? Of course it is. But if you don't smoke, it's the same thing with vapes now. There's the nicotine, that addictive component that comes with it. I have friends that when I hang out with them, they're hitting their vape every 10 minutes. And they do so on a subconscious level. They didn't even know they hit it. I go, dude, you just hit that five minutes ago. They go, oh, did I just hit that again? But again, the body is in this addictive state, this tuned out state. It's merely just doing what the body wants without thinking about it. So wouldn't you agree with me that people like cigarette addictions have a food addiction, right? How many people do you know addicted to fast food? Are you eating Burger King every Wednesday and you can't go without having fast food at least once a week? Are you addicted to desserts? The little late night treat after dinner, you know, a little ice cream, some brownie, maybe some cookies. How many of you do that every night or at least on like three, four day basis? What about pops and sodas? How much pop and soda are you drinking per week? That's like 90% sugar in there. Sugar has an addictive property. And speaking of sugars, let's look right back at these kids again, right? Kids are McDonald's, happy place, get a happy meal, get some fast food, but it's a happy meal marketed towards kids. Desserts, pops and sodas, what's served at birthday parties? What is served at birthday parties? It's this. Kids associate these, feelings, these good feelings, these good tastes with these foods. And again, this slowly gets them into this addictive state from an early young age for a lifetime. But let's, like, you know what? let's peek into the grocery stores. How many sugary cereals, if you walk down the breakfast aisle, how many sugary cereals do you see? How many candies and delicious root beers and colas do they get marketed to on a sunny summer day? And then think about these packages that come alongside these products. Make them fun and colorful. They got a mascot, a character to follow, a character to get to know. Listen, obesity is a bigger health crisis than world hunger and the leading cause of disabilities around the world. So it's no wonder that these kids and even us adults, we buy into these things because they're so heavily marketed and they're so strategically marketed to elicit a want, to elicit a, an addictive property so that we buy into it on a subconscious level. The same way that my friends would hit the vape without knowing, it's the same way we put those sugary foods, those fast foods, those desserts in our carts, in our stomachs every day without thinking about it. 
Look, according to an article published in the British Medical Journal, they said obesity currently obesity is a bigger health crisis globally than world hunger and is the leading cause of disabilities around the world. Now, what's one of the big things that obesity is linked to? Of course, there are so many other components to it. But the one thing that is most strongly time and time again linked to obesity is food, to overeating, to poor nutrition, to poor quality foods. And these companies are encouraging doubt in the consumers and in the world around their hyperpalatable, fat-laden, addictive, sugary, unhealthy products. And we are seeing the consequences firsthand. Look around you. How many people can you say are fit? How many people can you say are healthy? Or look, look on the flip side. How many people are dealing with weight that they want to lose? They say, I need to lose five pounds. I need to lose 10 pounds. I can't fit into my jeans. I feel tired all the time. I feel unhealthy all the time. I can't sleep well. These consequences are something that we are not even seeing. We're so blinded because the food industry, big pharma, and the government are neglecting to educate you on these problems. Heck, a paper out of Yale University and the University of Michigan, they stated, I'm reading this directly from the paper. The food industry has had to react to claims that it seduces children into a lifestyle of unhealthy eating. It infiltrates schools, buys loyalty from scientists, and pressures administration officials into accepting weak and ineffective nutrition policies. Yet every day we're here asking, how did we get to this epidemic? How did we get to this obesity epidemic, this unhealthy epidemic? So all in all, the tobacco industry has ruined the lives of so many merely for a profitable gain. And the food industry, big pharma, government, they're doing all the same thing by influencing one another, influencing key organizations, disputing science, they're planting doubt, and they're creating these conflicts of interest and promoting products based on marketability rather than legitimate science and health. And guess who is taking the consequences of that face first? You, your families, your closest friends. You guys are... You guys are at the the mercy of these companies not telling you what you need to be doing for your health to improve your health, your longevity, your weight loss, your diseases, your illness, your constipation, your gastrointestinal problems. It truly does get frustrating, but at the same time, there is a lot of hope for a lot of us because at the end of the day, who is controlling what goes into your body every day from your plate? Who is making the decisions at the grocery store? You, you are the person who's putting those foods into your cart. You are those, you are that person that is putting that food onto your plate for your families at dinner. So if you know how to make those decisions, again, from an educational perspective or a more knowledgeable perspective, a more aware perspective, you're actually able to call the power back over your health, to put the power in your hands over your family, over their health, over their longevity. And you can eradicate, well, I can't say guarantee, but again, you can essentially eradicate these illnesses, these diseases, when you're making the proper food choices, those proper nutrition choices. So, but this, again, this stems from a lifestyle built around health, a lifestyle built around good food choices, whole foods. Meanwhile, our industry really, or our industry, our culture really goes down this quick fix route. And a lot of the times, right, we're always looking at supplements to get that extra nutrition punch, right? Oh, I just need some fiber pills, maybe some vitamin C, I got to get some extra protein powder, some collagen, some magnesium powder. We're looking at these quick fix supplements to just give us that quick little one, two. Okay, I took my pill this morning. Good. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. But here's what I want you to know. The current industry of health in this lens of thinking, it's not built on health. It's built on marketing. 
These companies are selling you quick fix solutions and magic pills. Meanwhile, they're again, just like the food industry, they're putting profits over your health. See, when we eat vitamin C supplements, we're always told, get your vitamin C, get that vitamin C. But when you're eating those vitamin C supplements, we're neglecting to realize you're just eating vitamin C. Meanwhile, if you were to eat that source of vitamin C from a food, you get vitamin C and everything else that comes with that food. Right? You don't just get vitamin C if you eat a pepper. You're also going to get some fiber. You're going to get some natural sugars, some antioxidants, all those other vitamins and minerals that come alongside an orange. But when we're going down that quick fix, one-dimensional thinking, we're so tunnel visioned that we neglect the other areas of health. And the bigger picture is that health is all-encompassing. Your body is not designed to eat vitamin C. Your body is designed to eat an orange and extract the vitamin C in concert with all the other beneficial effects that come with that orange. So going down this lens of quick fixing or quick fixes, I really want to shine some light on the supplement industry because a lot of the times I see a lot of people, what's the best supplements to take? What's the protein powder I need? Can I have some creatine? I really want to gain some mass. Can I take a mass gainer? I just really want to get my fiber up. What's the best fiber supplement I want to take? I need some probiotic pills. Everybody's asking about these supplements, but I want to let you know, first of all, the supplement industry is not regulated, right? FDA is not required to approve the safety and effectiveness. FYI, that comes from their website. They are not required to review safety and effectiveness of these products marketed and sold to you every single day. So for that reason, there's a lot of toxic byproducts that may come in each supplement. There's been studies of, like I just read a couple days ago, there was lead, traces of lead within these products, these supplements. I've also even found some studies where they were mentioning animal feces prevalent in these supplement supplement, um, containers. And not only that, sometimes if you pull studies that actually pull these supplements off the shelf, and let's say, you know, it's a vitamin C supplement. They will actually go and look at the individual constituents of that supplement and they'll say there's not even trace amounts of vitamin C in the supplement. Get their marketing it to you every single day. Just some food for thought there. Oh, as well, I just want to tie, I forgot to mention. A lot of the times when you're getting these fillers, these protein powders, these supplements, you don't actually just get what they're promising you. You don't just get the vitamin C. You don't just get the protein. You get the artificial flavoring. You get the the processed chemicals and all those other toxic things and fillers that really help make the product palatable. So you you eat it and you say, oh, it actually tastes okay. Where do you think all that flavor is coming from? Where do you think all that color, those vibrant colors that are coming from? These are the toxic products that come within each supplement that again, maybe you're not aware of. You think it's health promoting yet. Nobody's talking to you about these extra, extra components that you really need to just pay attention to. Now I want to shine some light on our gym culture here. This is where this is where it gets to be so what's the word I'm looking for here? So easily influenced because all we see is gym culture, right? We're, we need to be all ultra fit. You need to be jacked. If I tell you how many low calorie, high protein meals I see over Instagram, I'm actually going to just throw up because it's all you see. It's all you see. Everyone and their mother are trying to sell you their protein powders, their pre-workouts, Our culture worships, that's the other thing, our culture worships protein like it's the secret to lasting health. And I get it, protein's good, it's the building blocks of life, right? You need to build some muscle, your hormones run on protein, they're built on protein, your body is a regenerative organ or regenerative specimen and it needs protein to do so, and I get it. However, we're worshiping protein to the point where it's almost like an obsession. And as a result, listen, the global protein supplements market size 
was valued at 20 billion USD in 2021, and it's expected to grow every year 8.5% till 2030. We're so we're so tunnel vision and focused on this protein. Everybody gets your protein in, but take a second to think. You know, we are over consuming this protein. We're over consuming this protein. Now, what I mean by that is I want to take you actually inside one of our health and nutrition program, nutrition programs. And I want to give you the same information that I give to our students in the in Revive that actually take this program and understand that protein, this, this protein notion that we're going through may not be the best lens to look at health through. So the example I like to use in the program was to think of a polar plunge. You ever seen a polar plunge where people are going into the water, it's cold winter, they just dive in for one, two, maybe 10 seconds. They freeze and they go, oh, wow, that was so energizing. I went in this cold water, minus 30 degrees. It's a super great accomplishment. Now, when you go in, let's say you go in for about one, two to 10 seconds. That's actually beneficial for you, right? There's a lot of research coming out around cold showers that shows you get this beautiful release of hormones, right? Dopamine, oxytocin, you get these feel-good hormones. It increases your circulation. It reduces your stress. It makes you feel alive, energized. So actually, if you do go in one, two, 10 seconds, it's beneficial for you. It really is. But now let's flip it on the other side. What if you were to stay in there for 10 minutes? What if you were to stay in that minus 35 degree water for 10 minutes instead of 10 seconds? Now there starts to be a problem. All those beneficial effects, they start to go away. They start to disappear. All of a sudden, you know, you're going to get limb failure. You're going to get some frostbite. Organs are going to be shutting down because your body can't maintain its heat because it's too cold. Right? It's designed to keep that brain alive. So with every organ, every limb that you have, it's gone. It's going to say, cut off the blood supply to it. We don't need it. Let's get it to the places we need more. So you can see that as soon as you start going over that timeline, over that quick little limit, you start to lose the beneficial effects of those cold, of that cold water. And it's the same thing with protein. It's the same thing with protein, right? The average, the average or the optimal requirement for men and women for protein intake is about 46 grams for women and 56 grams for men right so that's a 10 that's a 10 second polar plunge right there 46 56 grams for men or and women but the average american eats about 130 grams of protein per day per day that's almost three times as much for the men and it is um, yeah and for women as well it's almost three times as much so look back to this polar plunge example are we eating protein that's keeping us in that 10 second range to give us that beneficial effect of that cold shower? Or are we eating enough protein to throw us into the hypothermia, the frostbite, the limb failure aspect of the polar plunge? It's a good question to ask. And I think we're, we're going into the 10 minute mark. 130 grams of protein, especially animal protein, is unnecessary for someone if you work in if you work of just a regular job at an office, you're not too active. There's no need to be consuming this much protein. Yet when you were told to get these protein powders, on average, listen, the regular protein powder scoop, 22 grams per scoop. And I already know you're putting two scoops into that cup of yours after a workout. So just consuming that protein shake, you've already had 44 grams of protein and all you've had was a shake. Women, 46 grams a day. That's your optimal protein requirement. You're drinking that in one shake. Then after all this, we fill our days with eggs, chicken, chicken breast, cream, steak, this goes back right back to our one-dimensional and tunnel-visioned way of thinking about health. We're so worried about these individual nutrients or super specific things that we actually lose sight of the neglected side effects 
of the bigger picture, right? 10 seconds versus 10 minutes in a polder plunge. Too much protein is like staying in that water for 10 minutes. The negative side effects kick in. So let's dive into this because I want to show you how these side effects play out. And because this is a picture you might have not seen before. So essentially, too much protein makes your body acidic. And it's called metabolic acidosis. Now, don't get too freaked out from the sciencey term metabolic acidosis. All it means is that your blood and tissues within your body becomes very acidic. That's all it is. Now, a study out of the National Institute of Health. They're gonna, like, listen to this. I'm going to quote it right from the study. In general, the main foods that release precursors of acids into the bloodstream are mostly of animal origin. And foods that are precursors and bases are mainly those of plant origin. Now, if you don't understand that, let's break that down. I want to simplify this so you understand what is happening in your body and understand that health and science and nutrition advice can be actually easily understood. So essentially a base, a base is something that dampens the acidic levels in your body. So I'm going to put this into concrete terms for you. It's exactly like making lemonade from lemons. So if you were to take a bunch of lemons and just squeeze it all into a glass and it's just straight lemon juice, would you drink that? No, obviously not. It's too pungent. It doesn't taste good. Oh, it's too acidic, too citrusy. I can't do it. But the minute you add some light ice, some sugar, you water it down. It's 35 outside. The sun's shining. You sip it. Ah, it's refreshing. We got some lemonade. We got some lemonade. And now you're able, your body's able to accept that glass of lemons when it's more watered down, when it's more flavorful, when it's less acidic. right? And your body is the same way. When it's too acidic from consuming too much animal protein or protein from your protein powders and your supplements that you're marketed as quote-unquote health-promoting, quote-unquote good for you, your body needs to fight to neutralize that effect of the acidic levels. It needs to make it less acidic. In other words, your body is trying to take the, um, the crazy amount of lemons and turn it into lemonade. Now, does that make sense? You with me so far? Good, I'm glad. So how does your body neutralize this? And this is where we really get into the negative consequences of this too much protein, this allopathic lens of thinking of just protein. Now, how does the body neutralize this? Yes, that's the question. And one way is from plant foods. You know, like the study we just spoke about, plant foods have this base effect. And base, again, is the body's way of neutralizing, neutralizing the acidic effects. Now, another form that your body uses to dampen this acidic level is calcium. Right? Calcium has a very great effect on the dampening of the acidity level in your body. Now, here's yet again where the dairy industry and government come in to capitalize on yet another profitable opportunity. When you're told as a kid, when you're told as a kid to get strong bones, what are you told? Drink milk. It's got calcium that's good for your bones. They taught us in school. They taught us lessons about how milk was good for us. Think about this. Did you have a milk program at your school? If you did have the milk program, did you get the milk? Like 90% of us listening right now is, yes, we got into those milk programs. A little chocolate milk, a little plastic bag, the straw. That was so fun. So these industries are essentially, sure, it's fun for the kids. Sure, it's fun for the adults. But these industries are, they're not dumb. They're smart. This is a strategic play. They're trying to create lifelong consumers for their products by getting them in while they're young. Heck, I was just hanging out with a buddy of mine who swears he's never drinking milk again. He was actually the guy that told me to stop drinking milk. He showed me a couple of videos and I go, okay, I really got to look into this. This is disgusting. Um, but we were hanging out and he goes, you know what, Matt? I know milk is bad for me. I know it. I, I know it to my core. Yet there's just a little piece of me that says, oh, but 
what about my bones? I need to get some calcium for my bones. And he says, you know, it's because we were so brought up and so taught every day that you need milk for your bones. You need milk for a strong body. So even as adults, when we have this awareness of the, the horrible links of animal protein and the fat and the horrible other constituents that come along with milk, we still think in their old early ways because that's what we were brought up with. That's what we were brought up with. So if we're all drinking this milk, we should all have the strongest bones in the world, right? We're getting all this calcium. We're getting all this calcium. And then apparently, right, the calcium is a good base for the body, so it makes it less acidic. So we should all have healthy, functioning, strong bodies. Listen to this, though. Americans, they drink more dairy products than almost any other country in the world. Yet, here's the kicker, yet it has one of the highest hip fracture rates in the world. And again, Hip fracture rates are one of the key predictors of osteoporosis, which is a disease that weakens the bones to a point where they break easily. Whoa, but how can this be? We're doing everything the dairy industry says, what the government said on our food pyramid, what we're teaching our kids in school. Why is this happening? And I will tell you why. I will tell you why. Cow's milk, cow's cheese, and yogurt, they're very high in protein. And we just went over, we just went over how animal protein makes the body too acidic into the state called metabolic acidosis. And we also went over how calcium, just like plant foods, is a great neutralizer. It's a great way your body makes lemonade from those lemons, from that very acidic lemony state. Your body uses calcium to go in there, neutralize the effect, make it nice and nice and even, homeostasis, nice centered, balanced state. But your body has a really big source of calcium to pull from whenever it needs to lower your body's acidic state. Think about where do you think the biggest source of calcium is in your body? Where is it? It's your bones. Your bones have so much calcium in them. So your body essentially pulls this calcium from your bones to even out this acidic level. So while it's pulling these calcium, while it's pulling this calcium out, it puts you at an even greater risk for hip fracture and osteoporosis because you're essentially weakening your bones from eating too much protein. Yet our school systems, our food pyramid, our health advice continues to advocate for you to get better quality animal protein, better quality dairy products. Who's talking about these negative side effects? Who's talking about these negative health effects? Your, our, our children, our young students are being taught and ushered into this lifestyle from a young age when they have such a naive, uh, innocent view on the world and they don't know any better. And this is where it starts to become a problem. This is where it starts to become corrupt. We are putting profits over people every single day. And the fact that we're doing it to kids, let alone us, but the fact that we're doing it to kids, it's really time we have to start changing this conversation around health. Now, as we're on the topic of this supplement industry, this quick fix industry, and this very one-dimensional approach to health, you know, we're taking all these magnesium, these protein supplements, these iron supplements, we're measuring our probiotics, our fibers, our fats, our macros, we're doing all these things, we're just trying to make sure that we're getting, you know, 25 grams of protein per meal, only 20% of calories from fat, oh, we need two tablespoons of, you know, magnesium today, that's actually a little too much, but yeah, we need two teaspoons of magnesium per day, there's a problem with this, because the biggest thing is that it is an unsustainable approach to health, there is no reason for anybody to be, especially you who works hard. I know you work hard. Work gets busy. You got friends. You got family. You got a partner. You have time for you have time for yourself. You need to have goals and dreams. I understand there's so many things that you want to do in your life. And food that makes you healthy should not feel like a math test. It should not feel like a chore. 
So that's the problem when we're looking at this one-dimensional thinking around these pills and these supplements and these quick fixes is where it really starts to indoctrinate the belief to you that health is difficult. Meanwhile, it's actually not. It's all-encompassing. But yet we're so focused on these individual pieces of nutrients that we overcomplicate it, overcomplicate it every day. And aside from it being unsustainable, your liver can't handle the potency of all these supplements. Your body is not designed to take on a, a really isolated potent form of magnesium, a really isolated potent form of protein, iron, all these other things that we're putting into your bodies every single day. Now, let's go back to our protein example, our protein shakes, all right? Remember, the protein supplement market was worth $20 billion and it's going to keep growing. But here's my point. When you take the quick fix shortcut route and just drink a protein shake to, you know, kind of quote unquote, stay under calories, quote unquote, hit your macros, you've essentially just drank protein. But if you ate protein from food, from food, let's say beans, and I get that's a great protein source, you could have had protein plus fiber, plus carbs, plus zinc, plus copper, plus magnesium, plus vitamins, B1, B6, E and K. You could have had all those things, but you just drank a protein shake. So my question to you is, what do you think is better for your health? I think you know the answer there. And this goes right back to our one-dimensional and tunnel vision thinking about, about health. Right? We're so worried about these individual nutrients or super specific things that we lose sight of the neglected side effects and even the bigger picture. Right? We're so worried about getting that protein and yet if we're getting that protein from milk, we're neglecting the fact that it's creating a very acidic level in the body and it's actually going to deteriorate your bones and make you more at risk for osteoporosis. You lose sight of that bigger picture. Right? You're so worried about getting your high quality animal fats and proteins for you know strong muscles. Meanwhile, you don't know that there's a link to disease, heart disease, illness, and cancer. Stop focusing on these really super specific things. So instead, what should you focus on? How do you focus on this bigger picture if you're not going to look at protein, if you're not going to look at fiber, if you're not going to look at magnesium? These quick fix routes, these quick fix routes built from government, pharma, and big food. What are you supposed to do? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. Let's do it. This is such a simple answer because it really simplifies your life. It makes eating and health so much more enjoyable when, again, you have this awareness and this education that we just went over in part one in this part of the podcast so that you actually build health into your lifestyle rather than setting aside time for it every week to plan your meals, plan your supplement calendar, plan all these things, keep track of all these things. So here's what I want you to do. Listen closely. Instead of focusing on calories, instead of focusing on protein, instead of focusing on macros and super specific things, Focus on colors. Focus on diversity on your plate. Time and time again, we get so caught up in these, again, these quick fix supplements, these quick fix foods, these low calorie foods, and we eat the same thing every day. I've had people, I've had, I've worked with people where they said, my diet plan is chicken, rice, broccoli, five days a week. I don't deviate from it. That's what I need to do to get healthy. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. We got to have a conversation. When you're eating the same foods every day and you throw in this gut microbiome mix, the gut microbiome, if you don't know, we're talking about gut health. That's your intestines. Everybody knows it's down there in your gut. You have bacteria down there. And these bacteria are calling the shots over your health, over your weight, over your mood, over your hormone function, over your hormone production, over your nervous system, inflammation. The link towards your gut microbiome and your overall health is truly spectacular. But when we aren't focusing on colors and diversity on our plate, rather than we're focusing on, you know, good quality animal protein, low calorie, low fat, we're doing all these really super specific things. 
We don't give the gut or your gut specifically the nourishment and diversity of nutrients it needs to thrive, to make your body feel alive, to make your body feel healthy, to transform your body from tired, fatigued, overweight into somebody who's energetic, feels alive. They actually look like they're glowing. I actually worked with one client where we, we honestly, we took meat out of her diet for two weeks. That was all we did. We did two weeks and people were coming up to her and they were going, oh my gosh, you look alive. Did you get a tan? Why you look so healthy? What's going on? And again, it's because we're focusing on colors. We're focusing on diversity. We're eating an array of vegetables, good carbs. You got some quinoa, you got rice, you got, you got all that fiber that comes along with all these foods that are so, again, they're so great for your health. So when you focus on getting you know, some reds, some greens, some browns, all these other great foods, yellows, oranges. These are the things that work truly wonders for your health because the diversity of these foods provide a diversity of nutrients for the diversity of bacteria that goes on in your gut. It's such a beautiful, simple shift in way of looking at eating, but it's a simple shift that makes food easily implementable into your life. You don't need to count nothing. You don't need to track everything. As long as you're focusing on getting a good array of healthy foods, you're looking at reducing your animal protein intake, again, from meat, from cheese, from dairy, from all those other animal foods. Focus on colors, focus on diversity, and I promise, I promise you will notice significant improvements in your health, even in as little as one week. Just try it out. Now, it's time you truly learn to break free from this conventional quick fix dieting and these marketing gimmicks and truly learn how to eat for lasting weight loss. You want to learn how to make the best decisions for your health. I understand you. But you might be asking, you know, where do I start? Matt, what do I do? And I know this might be the biggest problem you've been facing and you have such great intentions. You have such great hopes and dreams, but you're saying you need the roadmap to get you there. You go, I have everything. I know what I want. I know what I need to do, but just tell me how to do it. And that's why I want to let you into our exclusive nutrition program along other Revive Insiders. Now, this is a program that our health program that you've never seen before. There's no calorie counting. There's no restrictive dieting. And the biggest thing is you don't just follow another you know, 12-week plan. You learn. You, we teach you. Knowledge is power. And we just went over why knowledge is power because you just saw how the effects of all these things that the government and big pharma is keeping hidden from you, how it's affecting your body. So when you have the knowledge around these foods and it's linked to either health promoting or disease promoting, You call the power back over your health, over your children's health, over your family's health, over your friend's health. And that's the problem with most big quick fix plans out there right now because they never actually lead to lasting results. It's because you're just told to follow it. Do X, Y, Z, do this five days a week, have fun, good luck, see you in the next, you know, six, seven months when you put the weight back on and you need to come back. No, 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 no. In the Revive Weight Loss Nutrition Kickstarter, our intention was to teach you how to break free from this conventional quick fix dieting and teach you to truly understand how to eat for lasting weight loss and elevate your health. Now again, we're all busy, I know we're busy, so you don't actually have to work one-to-one with anybody. This is entirely online, you do it at your own pace, weekly step-by-step videos, again, only about 15-ish minutes long. They teach you to adapt, progress, and cater your meals in a way that allows you to enjoy your lifestyle in a way that best suits you, and at the same time, transform your body. Now, again, I know you're busy and we're all so busy, especially in this day and age. And that's why the program is laid out for you all in order. So all you need to do is just show up. You just need to show up to the program, watch the videos, do the exercises week by week. And that's all it is. It's so simple, yet so incredibly sophisticated. 
Now, again, there's no complex rules. There's no point systems that leave you overwhelmed. There's no complex tracking of anything. The whole way we use Healthier Revive and inside the program, you follow five program keys to build this new way of eating into your life that best suits you so that you know how to adapt food to you. Now, I want to read a testimonial from our client, Carm, who had such great success in the program because I think you'll resonate with a lot of what she says. And you might be surprised at just how much results she got within just 10 days. Okay, so listen to what she had to say, Carm. Shout out to Carm if you're listening, by the way. She said, I've tried so many other diet plans in the past and had no success. I work in an office, I sit a lot, and it's so busy I never have time to work out. But after just 10 days of eating differently, 10 days of eating differently than before, and following the eating plan, the pounds started disappearing. I lost 5 pounds in 10 days, plus I was down 2 inches on my waist and hips. And I didn't even exercise one time. I also noticed I felt less sluggish. I had more energy throughout the day and I felt amazing. 10 out of 10, I'd recommend this program to my closest friends and family. Ah, Karm, shout out to you, Karm. We appreciate you so much. We're so grateful you found success in the program. We're so happy that you're working every day towards cleaning up your health. And that's the same thing. I want you, my beautiful listeners, you specifically, I want you to get healthy. Now, this isn't some luxury plan that's going to cost you $1,000. I believe health should be affordable and it should be easily implementable and available to everybody. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, the program is currently not live yet. But if you're listening to this at, an, at a later date, which you probably are, the program is not, it's not a thousand, it's not 800, it's not 500, it's an affordable $200. So go ahead, click that link uh, in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this too, you're going to head over to our website, see the program page, see how it works, what's included how to get started. And now if you're listening and you want to just check it out, the link is rviveofficial.ca forward slash nutrition. That's rviveofficial.ca forward slash nutrition. Again, see how the program works, what's included, and see if you are somebody that would really find lasting success in a program. So again, I hope to see you in the program. And I really hope that you take the information today that we've learned and truly shift your perspective around a new way of eating or a new lens of looking at the way food is affecting your body. And I truly, I'm sending you great energy. I thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Again, share this episode with somebody you think would be inspired by it or really needs to hear this message. And I will see you in a few weeks here on the Revive Effect podcast. Stay tuned. All right, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you stuck around to the end and I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity and your time to spend it here with me at The Revive Effect. So if you like what you heard today, please, I ask that you share this podcast with somebody who needs to hear the information or even if you did like it, please subscribe, give us a like, give us a comment, even email us and tell us what you liked about the podcast. We appreciate you so much for tuning in and if you like what you heard today, again, Don't be afraid to visit our website, R-V-I-V-E-Official, reviveofficial.ca to learn more and keep up with all the latest and greatest things that we are doing today. If you are someone who is feeling insecure, they're unhappy, unhealthy, and stuck in fear, I've created The Revive Effect and my company Revive in order to transform you into somebody who is the fitter, healthier, happier you, who is more confident than they've ever been in their entire lives and who's driven and hungry for growth every day and actually wakes up energized and happy. So give a look over to our website because that's where you're going to find all the latest and greatest information and tools and resources in order for you to attain that and make that vision of yours a reality. So I'm Matt Celestio. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks here on the Revive Effect podcast.